1: Welcome to the midside, where we don't choose our motor vehicles based on how they affect the culture. I'm your host, Justin Lesneski, the hopeful bromantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said or will say on this show. Especially about what I'm going to say right now, because I don't want Alyssa Milano coming after me. Not because I'm afraid of her or anything, but can you just imagine if Alyssa Milano came after you? I don't think she would ever stop. I think she's kind of like that psycho ex-girlfriend who you're like, it's over. Just just block me on everything and move on. But I, I don't think she would because right now her target is Elon Musk. And th- this was a tweet she sent recently. I gave back my Tesla. I bought the VW EV. I love it. I'm not sure how advertisers can buy space on Twitter Publicly traded companies products being pushed in alignment with hate and white supremacy doesn't seem to be a winning business model. So, of course, Zuby replied and he spelled it out for everyone. Wait until you learn about the history of Volkswagen. Now, this is a prime example of farce for two reasons. One, this shows you how little people know and how empty their gestures and actions actually are because it's all surface level. So they're just doing immediately what feels good to them and they hope will make other people feel good in order to make themselves look better. I mean, you could have bought any other EV on the market and you buy a a Volkswagen, not knowing the connection to the Nazis. Or here's the second thing that makes this farcical. Alyssa Milano could know the connection here and She intentionally used the phrase publicly traded company in order to make a point that this isn't related in the same way because when it was developed by the Nazis, it wasn't publicly traded. It was a private, private company at that point. But I don't even think she's thought that far. I think the point is just she went from one trendy car to the other and then she wanted to sound cool and sound like she was fighting on the right side of things. I mean, Elon Musk has never hid his beliefs. So why is it buying Twitter made it so that she had to give back her Tesla? Well, you know the answer to that question. It's all just to make herself seem better and more virtuous. And this whole thing, this whole tweet shows how little these people actually know and how they are contradicting themselves all the time. And to quote Dagny and Atlas, it shows why we never had to take any of it seriously. Let's talk about some more farce that's that's more in-depth than what I just talked about. But first, I got to bring in my co-host, joining me this trip from Dale's lawn, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, William Green. Hello, hello.
0: Yeah, Justin, I will not be um, uh, returning my Tesla. I, I do own a Model 3 uh, performance, I like it because it drives fast and handles pretty well, uh, and is exciting to uh, play around with. We got a little up- upgrade. To, uh, uh, Uncle Elon gave us a uh, uh, all of us the full self driving beta software, so now I can go driveway to driveway and not just uh, use the full self driving on the on the freeway. So that
1: sounds uh, like something only someone with white privilege could do. Uh, well,
0: good thing I checked that privilege, um, so therefore I don't even have it um so i think think you're i think the height of white privileges is is, what is the exact words she used there wasn't that she she returned the car she gave it back she gave it back who gave it to her (laughs) in the first place that's what i want to know and isn't that the height of white privilege when someone gives you a tesla and then you give it back
1: yeah i don't know if um i would read that as someone gave it to her to begin with but your point still stands the fact that she would phrase it that way, it shows a massive entitlement. Well, you know, it's why
0: I cringe whenever someone tells me, you know, in some of the charities I'm involved in, uh, they'll talk about giving back uh, to the community. It's like, hey, I didn't take anything for the community, so it's not giving back. Like, let's 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 take that. There's a premise in there that, that rubs me the wrong way. So maybe right. maybe it's maybe it's that same premise that's uh, at work here and giving back the test the, the Tesla somehow she took something away
1: from um, something. I don't know. It's completely that same premise, and it's a great point. You could be giving to the community, but you're not giving back. It's a, it's an excellent point. All right, you must be. Uh, before we move on here, you must be feeling good about Michigan's victory yesterday. Oh man, what a
0: game! Uh, I know all of you uh, college football fans out there. Been uh, it's been a rough uh, decade for Michigan fans, but now we've got two OSU victories. One at home and one away in spectacular fashion yesterday. Um, yeah, I haven't even... Uh, uh, I'm still recovering. I'm still looking at the uh, at the uh, clips and in, in, in awe. There were some great plays. And then, uh, Justin, I don't know if I shared it in the thread, but uh, definitely in some of my Michigan threads, uh, there was a home hockey game that night. And uh, they had uh, the coach and some of the players come on the ice. And then the referee's trying to shoo them off the ice as the crowd and everyone is celebrating. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> some referees need to read the room there um but uh it was uh it was a lot of fun and uh congratulations um i'm i'm i am i am typical old school michigan fan fashion uh i care about the osu game and the big 10 championship and that's it so basically football's over for me i know there's the uh full national championship and I'll, I'll be following along that but there's a huge emotional release uh after this uh um you know, capturing the Big Ten Championship is the is the goal every season, and that's the only goal. And now you take a little rest, and then you say, oh, well, there's this extra, extra uh, jewel that we could earn on this crown that we've earned, and that's the national championship. So I guess we'll turn to that.
1: Well, congratulations, and you did not share it in our thread because uh, you were feeling very victorious and very celebratory. And I had to warn you away from doing that in our thread. Not because I'm not happy for you, because I am. But it's just especially difficult as a Clemson fan. We lost 31-30 to to our rival, South Carolina. Snapped our huge home winning streak. Snapped our halftime lead winning streak. Snapped our winning streak against our rival, South Carolina. And it's all because of how terrible our quarterback is. And this is a quarterback we've had for two seasons now. And it's literally to the point that if he had completed one or two more passes, and I'm being literal with my use of the word literal, we would have won the game. And that is the toughest kind of losses for me to take, William. And that's when it's toughest for me to celebrate and be happy for other people because this isn't a team that's incapable of winning. They're perfectly capable of winning. They just have... One or two major fundamental errors that shouldn't be made. It's not like it was major errors. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, it's it's it, that's what makes college,
0: I think, for some difficult to watch or be a fan of, is because you know these are obviously younger players and there's more mistakes that are made. Um, but for me, I think it. Uh, the reason I've always sort of invested a little more in college than than than. Uh, uh NFL is because the stories are so much more raw and genuine. You get a lot more curation in that in the NFL, right? And here, oh, I thought
1: it was cuz you grew up a Detroit Lions fan.
0: <laughs> well, I guess that, that that part of that abuse, we can't we can't forget about that abuse. Um but uh part of it is probably that as well. But uh because it's all it was all one note one storyline from the, from uh, growing up a Lions fan. That's probably true. But uh yeah. but there's, there's a lot of uh a lot of uh uh Great uh, spiritual energy to, uh, to to connect with there and see that that kind of excellence and and that concentration that it takes to not make those mistakes. And then, unfortunately, that comes with a downside that you're discussing.
1: Yeah, a downside of people who just simply aren't capable and don't deserve to be out there and having to continue to witness that is difficult. But we don't only witness sports farce here in the midside. There's much more. And this week there was much more farce. So let's get into it in life on the midside. As always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode, Locals is per month. That's the Midside.com slash Patreon or the Midside.com slash Locals. And if you were in the Discord right now, you would see that Midsider Lucid is also uh, supporting white supremacy and counteracting Alyssa Milano because he got a Model 3 yesterday. Also in the Discord is the year end awards nominations and voting. So get in the Discord, click on that link, and you can participate in the year-end awards. We've only got a couple episodes left before we end this season by giving out the Peak Farce Awards for 2022. First story I want to talk about with you this week, William, is the massive surprise Disney pulled after we recorded last week. And it's they got rid of Bob Chapek, the CEO, and they brought back Bob Iger. Now, a lot of people were celebrating this move because they have this romanticized view of Iger because those were sort of like very successful years for Disney. And they have the this negative view of Chapek because, I mean, he took over during the pandemic. And I believe it was March 2020. And they say he's responsible for a lot of the woke stuff. But Iger went to my undergrad, Ithaca College. And if you've been with the show since the beginning, you know, a lot of the reason I can predict these things. and I understand what's going on is I've seen this stuff since I was young. And that's why I know how these people think. I know where all this stuff is going. And Marvel becoming woke, Disney movies becoming woke. And that's going to come back again when I do my review for this week. That's a result of Iger. It's not a result of JPEC. So I was really struggling for a while, William, to figure out why they're getting rid of JPEC. But then this new uh, story came out in, I was going to say New York Times, it's Wall Street Journal. Although the version we're using is MSN cross-posting an article from, I forget the uh, source they're cross-posting, from CBR, I think. The Wall Street Journal report came out and it said the following. I want to read this quote. Per the Wall Street Journal, people familiar with the matter shared that shows intended to be and billed as Disney Plus originals, including the Mysterious Benedict Society and Doogie Kamahaloa, I'm not sure how to say that, MD, were aired first on other networks such as the Disney Channel, so the production and marketing budgets wouldn't be counted against Disney Plus. In this way, the streaming service was seen as losing less money on original content, Chief Financial Officer Christine McCarthy, who was reportedly one of the voices behind Chapek's removal, was concerned about this strategy. And that's in quotes, concerned about this strategy. So, William, it seems to me that Chapek is simply a victim of, and I use the word victim loosely. I mean, this guy made millions of dollars, right? So I don't want to make it seem like I have any sort of sympathy for him. I'm just using him as sort of a example of something our culture is still dealing with. Of the streaming bubble bursting. And what I mean by that is, all of these companies got overvalued for their streaming services because people thought simply having subscribers in itself is valuable. And I mean, isn't even that in itself what Elon is dealing with, Elon Musk is dealing with with Twitter? Having subscribers in itself is not valuable. In fact, creating all of this content and Housing all of the traffic with the security risks, this all costs a lot of money, doesn't it, William? Yeah, I think you're right. Uh,
0: It's, you know, Netflix was always priced um, as a growth tech company and uh, not a movie studio, right? And, uh, and, And now that easy money has dried up, we're seeing a lot of, you know, Netflix can't, do a show past season two or season three, right? Like they, they just physically incapable of doing it. Um, but on the Chapek note, you got to wonder, this sounds a lot like, you know, Chapek was making a lot of political enemies by doing, or at least trying to do some of the things that needed to get changed at Disney. And it's funny how they're, it, it it's, it's interesting to me how they're packaging it or trying to package it as, oh, well, all these things that, I obviously started under uh the previous administration was all chapek's fault. So that's that's interesting because he hasn't really been there that long and there's not been a lot that like it, no thing that he greenlit would have been to to screen yet, right?
1: Like right, that's not completely. Possible. in
0: in Hollywood time. That's not possible.
1: Right. Though the way I think of it as it's how we always blame the current or praise the current economy on the current president. When really it's more the previous administration And not even just the president, right? The previous government, whoever was serving then, it's really them who caused it. And it's the same thing here. Chapek was there from, what, March 2020 to about November 2022? Mm -hmm. That's barely enough time for him to do anything except, as you said, cleaning up the messes that were there, right? I mean, think of what happened during his time. He had to respond to the pandemic and then respond to the controversy over the Don't Say Gay bill and deal with... The fact that pass holders were bleeding the parks dry, yeah, and he yep. tried to deal with all that, and now all of a sudden he's gone because, like we said, the streaming bubble burst.
0: Yeah, and think of all the woke content that he's he's had to had to deal with, and all, all the the mess at Lucasfilm, and um, you know, Indiana Jones Five being probably going to be a gigantic flop, um, and all the all the drama around that that's been delayed two years now. And not because of him, but because of just just Kathleen Kennedy, all the mess that's going on over in uh, Lucasville. So it's it's uh, it. I mean, I guess you could say it's his fault because he didn't fire Kathleen Kennedy, or you can say it's his fault because like X, Y, or Z. But one of the things that uh, a CEO has to do is they, if if they're going to lead this kind of change, it it does take time, and it and it will take a lot of uh, personnel changes, right? And I think a lot of the contracts at Disney. Like Kathleen Kennedy, she's unfireable, right? And uh, so the way, so, uh, but I guess you could say the same thing with Bob Chapek. How did they get him? Oh, they made this sound like like a, a shady uh, accounting practice. But Justin, can we be honest about Hollywood accounting practices? Are any of them would any of them fall up under GAP? Would any of them like this is not well, this, this is not this is the least shady accounting practice I've ever heard of uh, from right. out of from
1: out of Hollywood. Right, and it. It's not just Hollywood, right? It's, I would say all businesses do this kind of thing. Oh, well, we'll, you know, construction, we'll charge that to that project. So that projects, uh, both those projects are still under budget, even though really that one project's over budget and the other one's under massively. It's, Mm -hmm. it's the same thing. Yeah. And that's the CEO's job is to see everything as a whole. But look, it's like I said, the, you said it earlier. They're losing money on these streaming services and someone had to be held accountable for it. And I would never call him a victim because, like I said, he made millions of dollars. But the example here, William, and correct me if I'm wrong, is this shows how difficult it is to change what we have going on. We always talk about and people talk about, oh, we're starting to see the tides turn. But I don't think people realize how entrenched all these people are. All of the things Bob Iger put in place, Chapek was trying to fight against the things that were massively harmful to the bottom line, but he couldn't. It's like you said, Kathleen Kennedy is untouchable, and how many people are like that across our culture? Am I wrong, William? I think no. I think you're. I think you're right in the
0: short term, but I think you're. And and I'm not saying you're saying this, but in the long term, this is going to be one of those things where, just like the rise of woke culture, the fall of it is going to be. Uh, is going to be just all at once. It's going to collapse all at once, but it's not going to collapse in a way that people think. It's not going to necessarily... I I mean, I don't want to say this prediction, but I can't hold myself. It may not end in Kathleen Kennedy get fired. It may end in Disney massively
1: shrinking. Right. And to preview what's going to come, when I do the review for this week, we'll sort of see what you're talking about. Because remember, when we're talking about woke culture, it always has to be propped up. By something else, it can't survive on its own. And what I think what you're basically getting at, William, is when you take the legs out from it, it necessarily has to collapse. And when you're taking Star Wars out, right? And you know, Star Wars has turned around a little bit here. But when you're taking this stuff out, what's going to happen? You know, are people going to stick with Marvel forever, or are they going to get sick of the woke stuff? And then you take away Marvel, what happens to Disney as a studio? And I think that's the question going forward. And when we talk about, when I give my review this week, we'll see a little bit more about that. But let's move on from a a company that isn't quite ready to collapse and one that has collapsed. (laughs) So all the stuff that came out last week and the week before about FTX collapsing didn't really interest me. You know, we mentioned it briefly at the beginning of last show, but this week I was sent a fee article titled, why Sam Bankman Freed sounded so much like a Rand villain. Sam Bankman Freed is the guy, or maybe it's Fried, I don't know how to say his name, is the guy who founded FTX, and he marketed himself as believing in something called effective altruism, where by saying that, he was implying that he understands that altruism doesn't work, so he's going to do a brand of altruism that does work. <laughs> it's a, I. I, I want to correct you
0: a little bit on that. It's actually more okay. evil than you realize. It okay. It is basically a sacrifice the now for tomorrow cult. So in other words, uh, uh, we should live for the sake of the future. So we should, you know, kill people in Africa today by making sure they don't have any electricity in order to save the carbon dioxide so that the planet won't, uh, uh, you know, so we won't have global warming in 50 or 100 years. It's, it's so
1: literally it's, Thanos. It's literally Thanos,
0: yeah. And, and if you think so, I'm making this up, uh, I, I should uh, – uh, those in the audience, I'll find – I'll dig up some some, uh, some nice uh, articles and YouTube videos of people explaining the effect of altruism. It's very, very uh, – it, it's like – we all know the dangers of utilitarianism. This is utilitarianism
1: on steroids. So it's utilitarianism plus altruism.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, also, the future doesn't exist. It's just a concept we use to be able to guide our decision-making. There is only the present. There is no past. There is no future. There is only the present. Those are just concepts that abstractly we use to make decisions and help us guide our decisions. And when you totally make decisions based on the future, as this guy was doing, as you described, William, that is literally the definition of a floating abstraction, is it not? Yeah. 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 So this author at fee was comparing Bankman freed or fried or whatever you say his name or Thanos, Two, James Taggart, a villain in Atlas Shrugged. Uh, you could argue James Taggart is the main villain of Atlas Shrugged, right? He's somebody who wants to destroy the hero in the novel because the hero is not altruistic and he is. Because all James Taggart cares about is what other people think of him seeming like a good guy because he doesn't want to seem like the rich trust fund kid that he is because people think every rich trust fund kid is bad and we see that in our society, right? We assume it's a trust fund kid, he's bad. Right. So James Taggart didn't want to seem that way. So I'm going to read a quote from this article, and this is going to take a little bit of a turn because I'm not really interested in talking about effective altruism and FTX. But something this author wrote made me sort of look into a little bit of what Rand wrote, because there is just a really basic misunderstanding here that happens often. And I kind of got sick of people always saying this. So the quote While James Taggart is a mean, surly, unscrupulous man, his altruism seems somewhat genuine. Either he's too stupid to see his good intentions will bear bad fruits, or he lacks the self-awareness to realize his altruistic ideas are not as pure as he believes. And then in parentheses, it's important to understand that even though Taggart spurns selfishness and greed, he is clearly a selfish and greedy person. With Sam... Bankman-Fried, this appears less true. So this parenthetical here, where the author says it's important to understand that even though Taggart spurns selfishness and greed, he is clearly a selfish and greedy person, that completely misses the point of what Rand means by self, and it goes back to what the author was saying. He gives this alternative of either Taggart is too stupid, or he does, or he lacks the self awareness. The entire point of his character is he lacks the self-awareness because he lacks the self. He goes insane at the end of the book. Sorry, spoilers if you want to hit the spoiler drop, William. There's walkers in the barn and Laurie's pregnant. He goes insane because he realized he's been trying to destroy the good, the hero, the entire novel. When he thought he himself was the hero. Why? Because all he cares about is what other people think. So why then is... The author here of this article equivocating between Taggart as selfish and the heroes as selfish when they're shown to be completely differently motivated because they define selfish as just purely not caring about the consequences on other people where they're not focusing on the word self. But I think this also, William, shows a confusion that people have when they come away from Rand's writing. And what I mean by that is, I think she accidentally contradicts herself. I don't think it's intentional. And I think it's easy to reconcile the contradiction. But I think this accidental contradictions makes things confusing to people. So her definition of the self is, a man's self is his mind. The faculty that perceives reality, forms judgments, chooses values. Now, William... I believe the self is a combination of mind and body. And I would say here that if the self is just the mind, that would turn the self into a floating abstraction and be disconnected from reality. Do you understand my argument? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Okay. And I think when people read this and that's what they think the self is, then they would see how or think that, Her selfish is the traditional definition of selfish and greedy. Now, I don't think they're doing this explicitly, but I think that's how they're taking it away. Because if you're only worried about your mind, you're not worried about the consequences in reality on yourself or other people. Now, this is where I think Rand made a mistake in her definition of the self, because I think it contradicts other things she wrote, such as. I was just referring to the mind-body dichotomy, right? Her definition of the self would be the mind-body dichotomy. However, in what she calls the soul-body dichotomy, which again, I don't like the terminology, I would call the self or the soul the combination of the mind and the body. In what she calls the soul-body dichotomy, she rejects the mind-body dichotomy. You are an indivisible entity of matter and consciousness. Renounce your consciousness and you become a brute. Renounce your body and you become a fake. Renounce the material world and you surrender it to evil. Well, her definition of self, the self is the mind, is renouncing the material world. But that is what Taggart is doing. He is renouncing, that is what James Taggart is doing, is renouncing the material world. Now, in practice, as the characters act, Howard Rourke and John Galt... And the things she writes about, these characters are not participating in the mind-body dichotomy. However, her definition could be construed that way, and it, it is that way—the way she defines the self. So I would define this as—and you know—I would have to look more deeply into uh, the exact context of the quote of the self because it comes from selfishness without a self. Philosophy who needs it? So yeah. that article certainly addresses what is being said. About James Taggart here, right? The idea that he is selfish, but he doesn't have a self, so how can he be selfish? However, ignoring the physical, the body part of the self is a huge error when you're putting a definition like that to paper. Is it not, William? Well, I think the I think the context here is important because in the
0: context of the essay, the the I think we're dealing more in Rand's terms of. Definition. And what I mean by that is, uh, her definition of self includes the mind and the body. So you have to give a little bit of context there because this is an essay in the virtue of selfishness. I think if we found a different definition, like maybe from Galt's speech, um, that it might be it might be a little more fleshed out than what you're than more fleshed out into what you're kind of looking for. I, I think your point still stands though because I think uh, shifting it from Rand to what people are taking away from Rand. I think that's why you see a lot of these folks, like uh, libertarians and conservatives, not getting like like just clinging on to this idea that altruism is good and selfishness is automatically evil. It's so like to look at that quote again. It you could just re- re- replace it selfish and greedy with evil, and 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 they're they're taut- tautological to that, right? That selfish and greedy is tautologically evil. It's not. You know, there's no – right. Uh, altruism is tautologically good. So if someone claims to be an altruist, explicitly follows those principles to the letter and destroys all of uh, their life, their, their love life, their uh, company, and ultimately uh, parts of society, and leads them all to ruin, they would still say, well, no, they were selfish. And and it, it it's to them there is no contradiction.
1: Yeah, and so there is a quote here from, Galt's speech where Galt says, "Yourself is your mind. Renounce it, and you become a chunk of meat ready for any cannibal to swallow." Now, imagine you said the same thing: "Yourself is your body. Renounce it, and you become you know." Yeah, I think the point. I think the point though is that that's the that's the uniquely different part, right? When you're talking about a
0: definition. You, you're you're talking about the the essential part. The essential part there is the mind, and that's that's true. That's the essential part. That doesn't mean that there's no other parts. I think that's the uh, that might be something that you're uh, that you're kind of uh, maybe tripping up on a
1: little bit. Because I, well, I, I think I, I think what you're saying is it's essential for communication that the self is the mind. But no, I, no, I think say, it's essential to the definition. I think no, I think but see, I think, I think, I think mind and body self- are. I think well, you can't on. have a self without the body either. I think they're equally essential. Equally essential. But what makes humans unique in the
0: space of morality, if we're talking about, about it in the in the context of morality?
1: It's not their body that makes that unique. No, it's the combination of mind and body. Mm-hmm. Because the 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 mind can't be the same as it is without the body. I mean, look at the way the fitness industry has evolved to show the relationship between the mind and the body. The way the body affects the mind. What yeah. you do with the body becomes affects the affects the way the mind operates. And the combination of those two I, I, things. Yeah, is I think the that's self. yeah, I think that's the thing that
0: that we're we're both pointing out and struggling to to touch is that in the definition of mind, we have to define our terms really really. Really well. My definition of mind includes the body. Like the mind can't be separated from the body. And I think that that premise that the mind is separate from the body—if you have that premise—these definitions are
1: incomplete. But if you don't have that right, premise, then these
0: definitions are complete.
1: They are complete. right. So then, then that goes back to like I was saying the rhetoric of what she's yeah, saying exactly. is: if you're proposing an entirely new system, you can't simply say mind, and then when someone goes, "What about the body?" we'll go, "Well, that's." Part of the definition of mind, right? So, what's the definition of mind then? The f- entire functioning of the human body. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, how would we define mind then to to put the the word body in there? If you're gonna be saying these things, self, mind, body. Uh, let's see, midsetter Lucid saying in the chat. I swear I read somewhere Rand saying something you can do. The body cannot survive without the mind and the mind cannot survive without the body. Yeah, well, right. That's that's the entire point I'm trying to make. And I think William is saying that too. My point is just rhetorically, I think that, like I was just saying, people who don't, as William said, hold that premise, read the book and they go completely in the direction of body or they go completely in the direction of mind. And whether it makes you agree with Rand or not, it creates a misunderstanding of what Rand is saying. And that's why I'm saying when you literally write the words, "yourself is your mind. Unless you then say, you know, the, I'm defining the mind as the abstract and concrete parts of human existence. Right. Then it's going to be confusing to people. And they're going to come up with things like saying James Taggart is selfish when yeah. really he's I think not they would come
0: up with that on their own. <laughs> Just because of their premise of the mind body dichotomy. I don't think it's uh Yeah. But but well, I think, right. I think, I think but I'm saying, saying I think enough. there's a lot there's a lot to be there's a lot more to be said about um rhetoric and and right. whether you know how how to best convince people based on their context. I think that it, when when someone has the mind body dichotomy and it's so deeply ingrained in the culture, just like altruism, um it's really it is really hard to communicate. Because those, definite, those, right. those,
1: those uh, concepts are put in the wrong order uh, culturally. Right. And it's really, really important to be super explicit. And that's what I'm saying here is I don't think it's explicit enough. I do not think it's explicit enough. And I they, that's why it allows people to fit it into what they already think or believe. Does that make sense? Think of it like Christians who read it and are like, oh yeah, this doesn't dis, dis, uh, this doesn't disagree with Christianity. Yeah. There are parts <laughs> that explicitly disagree with Christianity, but it it's not uncomfortable enough that people. It's not different enough because you don't necessarily want to make it uncomfortable. It's not different enough in a way that explicitly tells people how it's different. I think there are parts that are eminently that. But then I think you get to parts here where, you know, you say the self is the mind and that's going to confuse people. Make sense? Yep. Okay. So let's move forward here to, you know, we've done some abstract thinking here, right? When we talked about JPEG and we talked about FTX, let's move on to more concrete concerns because as we said, we don't want to ignore that part of life. So, the first thing here is Florida yanks the top QB perspective, Marcus Stokes scholarship after rapping N word and video. So what essentially happened here, William is this guy who goes to Ponte or lives in Ponte Vedra, was recruited by the university of Florida. And then he made a video where he was, and I want to be clear, this headline says he's wrapping the N word, but He's not rapping it. He doesn't say it. He's just lip syncing it. And he's doing it in one of those TikToks or those Instagram reels where a person is shown lip syncing to audio that already exists and they post that as the reel. So before we even get into why Florida did this, I want to ask you, William, why is this something kids do? And when I say this, I mean these lip-syncing TikToks and Reels. There are two types of TikToks and Reels that I really really fucking hate. One is that stupid robot voice. Like if you're going to make a, a a TikTok saying something, why not just use your own voice? And two, I hate the lip-syncing ones where they will lip-sync a song or they lip-sync quotes that other people wrote, lines of dialogue from movies and TV shows and they lip sync it as if they're actors who said it so not only is it something somebody else wrote it's somebody else's line delivery and they're making reels or tiktoks about it and and we see a consequence here on this kid right somebody else wrote this song somebody else delivered this song and all he did was pretend on the internet that he was rapping it for what reason well why do people do this william I don't know. This uh, I think we
0: I think we can guess though, uh, and it starts with the N maybe narcissism. Uh, can you unpack it, it, that? Uh, well, they it's it's why why what could be more entertaining than this song? Why
1: me pretending like I'm performing this song for you? Right. Okay. I get that. I get that. So it's so it's a narcissism thing. It's wanting to see. And wanting to have it reified through the platform, through the views that other people are entertained by it. Yeah. Okay, I get that. I guess that's, I guess that's where I don't have that narcissism and why it annoys me because it's like, no, somebody else made this song, somebody else delivered this dialogue, somebody else wrote this dialogue. It's theirs. I want to see their delivery of it. I don't want to see your delivery of it. Who are you? You're a nobody. Yeah.
0: Well, there's an aspect where it could be used for humor, right? Like you could do, you could act it, use the same dialogue, but have it acted out in a different way. But you notice most of these videos are just people by themselves, right? Right. Just literally like saying part of it, not, not right. actually like but making that- a little skit where they're leaps- lip syncing to the, to the dialogue, but the, the entire background is different or something like that. Right.
1: And some people do that, but at the same time, William, you know what I think? Why not just write your own fucking jokes? Yeah, like, well. don't we have a, a class of people called comedians, called comedy writers who do that? This well, seems like the lowest hanging fruit to we me. We have comedy writers and we have SNL. So <laughs> maybe, maybe people are just trying to be SNL. But that's part of the narcissism, right? Wouldn't you say SNL yeah. is narcissism for a certain type of comedian?
0: Yeah, it can be. It can be.
1: Yeah, I don't want to say everyone on it is a narcissist, but... It can be with the way they're like, "Oh, we're so important that we have to make political commentary." Isn't that the same concept you were just saying?
0: Yeah. Well, and I, I don't know uh, what's the statute of limitations on um, on uh, uh, lip syncing the n word. Is it like, are, if you did it before 2010, are you, are you okay? Or and then what if what about uh how long should this punishment last? I mean, should this guy just not get to go to college?
1: Right. And that's the thing. Like, first of all, don't do this because I think another prospect in the article said, hey, we're under a microscope now. Right. So check your narcissism at the door. Don't do this. But at the same time, this goes to what we're saying about why Florida did this. Right. And the discussion here, Mm -hmm. should this be a punishable offense? And I don't really think it should. Right. I mean why do we release these songs and why do we have these songs out if we don't want people singing along to them do we really think he's never sung along to this song in his own car
0: well I said I said this to one of my I said this to one of my friends and uh, a more left-leaning friend and he kind of freaked out and was like what's what's it with white people and saying the n-word and I was like what what is this coming from like why why this fixation on saying n word? just don't say it I was like I don't think he even said it I think he lip synced to it so I don't know, this might be a, a, a knee-jerk reaction from, from some folks that are kind of brought up in the left male youth.
1: Yeah, there's certainly a knee-jerk reaction to it, but there's also a pragmatism on Florida's part here. The last sentence of the article says, uh, the retraction of the scholarship came soon after Florida landed another top national prep quarterback recruit, California's Jaden Rashada. So really, William, all we're doing by uh, reinforcing this woke stuff and this virtue signaling of canceling people is we're giving people an easy way to rationalize. Cutting off their contracts or cutting off their commitments. Hmm. Kind of Florida, it
0: sounds like what they did to Chapec.
1: It is the same thing as to what they did to Well, So what, my, what I'm positing here is we have two classes of people, right? We have the class of people who are the true believers, but then we have the class of people who are using that to their advantage to get ahead. Now, in the case of Florida here, I think they're just trying to build the best football team. In the case of JPEC, they're trying to build the most social justice corporation possible. But it's still the same thing. These are just auspices for getting rid of people. This kid, I can't find the stats. I had found them. He did not have a good senior season. And then they recruited another quarterback, although I would say after having dealing with DJ life for Clemson for two years, uh, a California quarterback's not going to be as good as you think he is, Florida. But they got another one, and then they said, hey, this guy who's not doing too well. We need to get rid of him. Oh, look at this. He's doing a lip sync video wrapping the N-word. Let's get rid of him. Do you see my argument, William? Yeah, it's a little too convenient. Right. So we need to be careful, A, with what we're posting, but B, with what we're letting people get away with here. Look what we're letting Florida get away with here. And this kid's life, like you said, William, is how far down does this go for this kid's life? I would venture he's going to get a starting job somewhere in college and get a scholarship somewhere in college. He just, you know, would he have ever made the pros? I don't know, but this hurts his ability you know, to be in a major program. So, and then the final thing I wanted to share is something that I think is quite insidious and it's demonstrative of uh, the left's perspective as far as how they see people, how they see citizens, how they see voters. And this is something you said, William. It was the press secretary for Joe Biden tweeting out this past week. Cause remember we just said Thanksgiving talking points for your Thanksgiving family interactions, your Thanksgiving family functions. This is the tweet. It's hard to quit talking politics, cold Turkey, even at Thanksgiving. Get it. Uh, I said to get it part, talk to your family from across the aisle and across your dinner table with this cheat Sheet and this cheat sheet is talking points, and I call these William. I call these turkey talking points because if you think these are good turkey talking points, and if you actually use them, you're a turkey because you are just doing what you're told, and you're ine- inevitably going to get your head cut off, and you're going to get served for dinner because this is absolutely ridiculous. The idea, William, that they think, and I'm not really interested in like reading, you know their their propaganda. But the idea that on this list, it's called President Biden's Top Accomplishments for Chatting with Your Uncle at Tech Thanksgiving. And it's a bunch of high-level topics and then under those pieces of evidence, right? And I'm not really interested in going into each one, but the fact that they have the audacity of using Twitter to put out talking points for the average person— They are literally trying to control your speech at dinner. They're trying to control your thoughts in your private family homes.
0: Justin, if if this someone has to do a graphic, I'm sure it's already been done of like, you know, they have the NPC update meme and just have this uh, this graphic as the NPC update. I mean, this is this is this is the NPC update. And like it's uh, just I know you don't want to get the details, but I cannot help myself just cursiarily, the internal contradictions. The first half they talk about how they're working with re- Republicans, but then the second half they're talking about how Republicans are extreme, but meaning evil, right? Because extreme means evil. So why are they working with evil people? It's like internally contradicting. Like the the, the internal points are contradictory. There's a, there's more that are that's internally co- contradicted. But that's just just that's just at the surface level. It's internally co- contradictory. We worked with Republicans to rebuild Americans' infrastructure. Meanwhile, Republicans are in congress are extreme they forgot the extra two x's but it's just it's internally contradictory uh, yes you, you you here's your npc update your non-playable character update this is the talking points you must speak um and then i don't know I, I are you just supposed to repeat these like if anyone brings any facts to contradict you like like you know like gas prices are down by a dollar 35 since june who the fuck cares Right. Like it's still like what? Six dollars a gallon here in California. (laughs) Oh, but it's down a dollar thirty five. It's no longer eight bucks an hour, uh, eight bucks a gallon. So we must be good. It must be good.
1: Yeah, they don't want you to have any sort of thoughts or anything like that. And the reason I don't want to go into like how this is internally contradictory and all the different points about inflation and big pharma and infrastructure and all of those things is because the exact points don't matter. Because it's what you said. They don't want you to read this and think about it critically. They just want you to think of, oh, if my my uncle brings up inflation, this is what I'm going to say. If my uncle brings up infrastructure, this is what I'm going to say. If my uncle brings up all the things that have happened bad in the world, this is what I'm going to say. If he brings up gun control, this is what I'm going to say. They literally are just trying to turn you into, like you said, an NPC, an agent of the party. It's not about you being an individual having your own experiences and opinions. Because look, everyone's family is different, right? You can't just say these things. It's not a press conference. She's the press secretary (laughs) who released this. And she's acting like you're having a press conference with your family.
0: You don't have press conferences with your family? (laughs) Here's
1: today's today's daily briefing. I would see Justin coming out. Notebook. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you do, I would suggest to you that there is something wrong with your family because inherently the dynamic between the press and whoever they're covering is combative because the press is trying to, especially in our current culture, reveal some underlying hidden truth. And if you feel like you have to hide things from your family and you can't be honest and open with them, well, then that's a problem in itself. And that's what they're treating this as. So the contradiction you're talking about, William, is actually in the very concept here. It's this idea that we're trying to make things better by giving you talking points about how things are good and we're going to fix things. But really, all this is going to do is make things more divisive because there's no real conversation going on here. You're just spitting points at each other. Yeah. But really, that's the point we're at. That's the point we're at. And to prove <laughs> it to you, I'm going to do a movie review of one of the worst movies of the year. Let's get into it in The Hopeful Romantic with JML.
0: Put me into syndication. Broadcast to a network station of people viewing their favorite episodes. I can't find a under- new
1: I wasn't focused on. As always, if you'd like to continue the conversation with us during the week, you can do so by joining our Discord channel. Just go to midside.com, midside.com slash podcast, click on any episode link, and in there, there'll be a link to have your Discord join code. That is where you can vote in the Midside Peak Farce Awards for this year. Those are coming up in a couple weeks. Give us your perspective. Head into the Discord, and you will find the link in there this week william i saw strange world the new disney animated movie do you remember what you said for trailer takedown for this movie i believe i tackled it do you know why
0: um i think it was because i couldn't figure out
1: exactly what it was and it seemed a little bit generic well, it was generic, and it's generic for a reason. Uh, have uh, The other thing I want to ask you is have any of the channels you follow or any of the uh, personalities you follow said anything about this movie?
0: I've seen one review by uh, uh, just some guy who's a, a big Lord of the Rings fan that I follow. Um, and uh, he's he leads more towards the left. He's a great reviewer, though. He sort of Pointed out the right taking shots at the movie, but then proceeded to rip it apart for being pretty uh, generic and boring and um, having sort of empty shell characters, meaning like, oh, this is a gay couple. This is the dad. This is there's just it's just character drama, but very low stakes and and generic, no real um, depth to the characters at all. That was sort of what they they said.
1: Right, because it is purely a result of everything we've been talking about and how it destroys movies. It is purely a result of social justice woke ideology in artistic form. It is the wokest movie Disney has ever made. Let me read my review on Letterboxd. Avatar and Fantastic Journey are crossed here to predictable results that intentionally make political commentary unavoidable. And then in parentheses, I write, To save the world, human life as we know it must be abandoned, says the big-budget computer-animated major studio film. So, let me simplify this. Do you know the movie Fantastic Journey that I'm referring to? Yeah. Fantastic Journey is where, in order to save someone, a bunch of scientists and doctors shrink down in a ship and go inside the person's body? Well... In this movie, it was very obvious from very early on that these explorers go out to find what's going on with their power source. And when they they go out into the world, it was very obvious to me they were going inside of a body because they start being attacked by these creatures immediately. And I was like, oh, they're antibodies. So this family goes into this creature and I'm intentionally not saying what the creature is because I'm going to spoil it in a minute, Uh, goes into this creature and they find out that the power source is actually killing the creature. So even though the power source revolutionized human life, they have to destroy the power source to save the creature because if the creature dies, the creature that they're living on the back of, they discovered throughout the movie, then their entire civilization will die. So human flourishing has to be redefined and changed to be living harmoniously with the creature they're living on the back of rather than, you know, living in, in spite of it at that creature's expense, because what are they doing now, right? Their power source is killing that creature. And that's what in this movie, the two older Males have to learn the grandfather and the father who are are fighting have to realize they're the same person who's oppressing the younger generation, the son, because they're not letting him be who he wants to be because, you know, he doesn't want to be a farmer. He doesn't want to be an explorer. He wants to, you know, figure out how to live in harmony with the world, because, you know, apparently nowadays only kids know these things. Right. And this is something I've been talking about for a while. I don't like I didn't feel like at at my age, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 40 in a couple months here. I didn't feel like at 40 my parents were done, right? But I feel like for the past five years of my life, I've been told I've the world has outgrown me already. It used to be this idea that, you know, when you got old, that the world outpaced you and the youth knew what was going on better. And we had to trust the youth and move forward with them because they understood things like peace and harmony better and equality and You know, not being racist and not being sexist and things like that. But nowadays, it just seems like that's going so far that like once you're in the adult working world, like once you turn 18, it's like you're dead to the world nowadays in in social justice, woke ideology. So in order to prove all this point, they have to have, like you said, check all the demographics. And it is so far down. I'm going to show you how absurd this is. It is so far down, William. With all these demographics, there is a dog with three legs. The family dog has three legs. And here's the thing. I want to be clear, William. I do not necessarily disagree with a dog having three legs in a story, but there has to be a point to it. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. There's no point to these things. There's no point to the son, Ethan, being biracial. Why? There's no point to him being gay. Why? There's no point to the dog having three legs. Why, and William? The creature they're living on the back of—can you guess what kind of an animal it is? There's walkers in the barn, and Lori's pregnant. Uh, is it turtles? Turtles all the way down? Yes, it's a turtle. And I ding, literally ding, ding, thought that—I thought that earlier in the movie. William, my degree from Fu says you are a hundred percent correct. And for the record, I have not seen the movie. You don't need to. Early in the movie, I knew they were inside a creature, and I was like, "It's turtles all the way down." I literally thought that, and then. You can ask my wife at the end of the movie, right? The final shot of this movie, right? So they, at a certain point, the re- the way they realize they're living inside of a creature on top of a creature is they get to the quote unquote, other side of the mountains. They go through their journey and they come out the other side of the body and there, there's a giant eye there and they don't show the creature. So they go back in, they save the creature. And then they do like a one year later and they show everyone living in harmony. You know, all the energy sources gone and everything. And then the final shot of the movie is a pullout shot and it pulls out and it shows a turtle on a planet of water. And I literally, you can ask my wife this, I literally just sat there in the theater and I went, they really went with a the turtle. They went with a the turtle. They went with a turtle. And for like five minutes, I was just like, "They—they," they, I just repeated that over and over again because I was in such dis belief that that was literally the direction they went in because the phrase it's turtles all the way down william means there's always going to be another explanation so they were trying to be clever by having the turtle at the end there but how does the turtle survive on the planet of water and why were the humans done exploring when they found out they were living
0: on the back of a creature, yeah. Why would they all of a sudden relax and be like, "Oh, no more exploring necessary"? We've solved, we've solved, yeah. And, because that's what we did when we discovered that we were uh, orbiting around the sun and that there were other galaxies out there. We just sort of, you know, uh, you know,
1: satisfied pie, pie ourselves on the back and said, "Mystery solved. No more exploring is necessary." Right, right. So the explorer character, right? His whole thing was, "Oh, I, I just want to get beyond the mountains because no one in our towns gotten beyond the mountains." And he gets beyond the mountains and he sees all the water out there. And rather than realize, cause this whole thing was like, if my whole life is getting beyond the mountains and we're about to, what, what did my life amount to rather than realize there's always more to explore and say, Hey, you guys go back home. I love you. I'll come back and see you sometime. I won't be gone for 25 years again, but I'm an explorer. And if there's more to explore out there, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to build the ship. And I'm going to drive out onto this water and see what there is. Rather than realizing it, he goes, oh, you know what? I should have just been here with my family the whole time. So again, human life and human ingenuity is bad. And all we have to do is make our life less in order to live in harmony with a giant turtle. That's what this movie was. Wow. Now, they would say I'm oversimplifying it, but... So there's only one more... so ahead. the other the other thing
0: that uh that uh, other rumblings I heard is that the, they were saying this was a flop before even the opening weekend, or well, because it was open to Thanksgiving. Because Disney didn't market this at all. At all. Most people didn't even see a preview for it. Like we, we did it on trailer takedown, but most of the people who go to the theaters regularly uh didn't see a preview for it until like maybe last week or the week before. So this this has not been marketed at all. Um so it's going to be it, maybe Disney tested this with some test audiences and saw that it was terrible and decided to just release it over Thanksgiving. Hope for the best.
1: Well, I, I think that's probably on par and I think it is probably more of, you know, why they got rid of Chapek. right? Again, this is, this is not something Chapek would have been involved in. This would have been started before he was involved. It takes years to make an animated movie. And, as I said in my review, it's impossible to not have a political reaction to this movie. It simply is impossible. They, they are shoving it in your face. I mean, there's literally a point in the movie where the, the dad and the grandfather are playing a Settlers of Catan type game with the son, Ethan. And they keep asking who the bad guy is. And Ethan says, there is no bad guy. That's the point. The point is you have to the, the point of the game is you have to learn to live in harmony and create the best society possible. That's how you win the game. And you know to which I lean to my wife. And I go that's the theme. And But the grandfather says. That's just bad storytelling. And look the whole movie opens with like. The grandfather is the traditional like hero. Like this is. Um, I forget his his name. Oh, yeah, okay, Jaeger Cade. That's his name. Jaeger Cade and he goes out and he explores. And he's this big burly manly man. And you're like oh that's really cool. And it's got this this pulpy aesthetic to it, right? The animation and the the stylized version of it, is, it. They're going for this very pulpy aesthetic of it. But once again, William, they're doing it to undermine the idea of this idealized version of the 50s that exists. So they created, in Hollywood, this fake version of the 50s. And they've been fighting against it even to this day, mm. We're almost at 2050 and we're still fighting the, this hypothetical version of the 1950s. It's almost insane at this point. Yeah. So, yeah, I would venture that you're probably right about the test audiences. And I mean, not to have sympathy for Islam, but there was an Islamic family. And I know because the, the, the mother was wearing a hijab. When the whole early stuff about the, the, you know, the teens who are gay came up. They got up and left the theater. How many other people do you think did that? Yeah. And look, I'm not saying you can't have a movie with gay people in it, but again, what's the point? What's the point? And all of this, look, you want to sum all of this up? It's the three-legged dog. Okay. It's the three-legged dog. This is what bothered me the most about the entire movie. Why the fuck did the dog need to have three legs? And you know, I said this to some people I, because, you know, my wife was talking about, she was like, um, you know, it's, it's so people who are disabled could feel represented. Right. And I, I said, I said to her, if I ever identify with a dog, P oh, sorry, if I ever identify with a dog, kill me or kill the dog because one of us needs to be put out of our misery. Why? William Why does the dog have three legs? It can only be for representation, can <laughs> sounds it? Like a, sounds like an existential,
0: like, uh, philosophy 101 question. Why does the dog have three legs?
1: But that's my point. Like, why <laughs> okay. do it? Why, Some ancient why...
0: Confucian scholar wrote several essays on this,
1: I'm sure. But that's the point, isn't it? Why, when you're making the movie at any point, you're like, we need to make this dog have three legs. I, I don't know. I it, it's, it's... How many...
0: Three. How many people have three legs? How many people are going to? How many people? Wait. Let's let's get this representation geometry correct. So this would be furries who have three legs.
1: No, it's really people who own a disabled pet. Oh, is what okay. It is.
0: All right, people who own a disabled pet. Really? Because I, th- I think at the fir- I think we should not exclude furries with three legs. Okay. So we'll include both of those well, uh, we'll include both of those, okay. how large of a percent out of three hundred and you know sixty million people how what percent do you think uh we're talking about is it is it one percent uh, that's actually would
1: more than trans. I would say fewer I would say fewer <laughs> okay
0: uh, well I don't know, but that's I, the it, point.
1: It can only be for representation, right
0: well, then but maybe i I don't know it can't be for storytelling, it can't be for character
1: building, it can't be for plot. You could have literally done this movie without the dog and it would have been the same movie. Like there was no purpose to even having kids. a dog. From what you're
0: describing, you could have done it without the gay kids.
1: Yeah, the kid didn't need to be gay. Now, I can make an argument that the kid needed to be gay because it's, you know, the whole idea is the societal norms are bad. and But here's what doesn't make sense, right? Here's what doesn't make sense, right? If I'm going to integrate that, right? Okay, the societal norms are bad and the older generation won't let the younger generation live and do what it wants, right? But the dad's accepting, right? At the beginning of the movie, they have the whole dad embarrasses his son by being like, oh, this is who you're into? Like, you know how they've done that before with the boy, like making the boy try to talk to the girl? They've done that many times. They do that except that it's two, two boys. Okay, fine. But then the grandfather meets... The son, the son, the grandson, and when he's talking to him, he's like, oh, is there anyone you're interested in? Any sweethearts? And he casually just drops, oh, yeah, there's this boy I'm really into. And the grandfather, who's been gone from society for 25 years, doesn't skip a beat. <laughs> so they have this messed up perspective about the world and seeing... You know, where's the bad guy and they that don't know how to live to in harmony. harmony.
0: That, that gets back to the, the the thing we've talked about before, uh the the sort of like neoclassicism of this woke religion. Um, you know, just like everything uh evil is uh selfish I and, and greedy, uh everything good means you're tolerant. So like if this character is good, then it doesn't matter it doesn't matter that it would be a historical or even like not even make any sense in terms of cause and effect or cultural progression or anything. Of course, that that person would be accepted because that person is good. In this right. crazy wor- world of, of classicism, uh, a sort of storytelling, of this woke storytelling, um, the indicator uh, that the character is evil is if they were intolerant, right? Because that's an irredeemable quality. That would be your foreshadowing, right? That would be how right. you would foreshadow a character to be evil, is that they would be intolerant of that.
1: Right. So they're not bad. The grandfather's not bad in this movie because, again... Nobody's bad in this movie because they said there are no villains. Even the the, the leader of the society who was leading this expedition to save the, the energy source, she's not bad. They're all just ignorant because they don't realize that they're living inside of a creature. And Ethan's the only one, the kid's the only one who can realize it. And once he teaches them, they all switch to protecting the creature. So none of them are evil because they're just ignorant. They're not intolerant. But that's the entire point. William, isn't it supposed to be ignorance that leads to intolerance? So isn't it really being intolerant of the creature they're living inside of? So if you really wanted to show the grandfather properly, wouldn't he also be intolerant or have some sort of a reaction to what Ethan said? Yeah. I mean, look, look. Here's the, thing, box, here's the thing. It's checkbox inclusion is what it is, right. right? And that's why it ends up a generic movie. It's checkbox inclusion because we don't look at the reality of being gay. Right. Sorry, William. I don't know if this offends you, but the reality of being gay is you are in the lower percentage. Of the population, the majority of people are not gay. Oh, it, they, they can't be. Society would fall apart. There would be no human race anymore. So, <laughs> well,
0: this is why I identify as a woman. So I could be in the majority.
1: Right. So statistically, the grandfather wouldn't be unblinking about this he would have some sort of a reaction. It makes no sense. Now they're going to come back and say this is a kid movie and we're trying to make this so kids accept this kind of thing. And that's the problem. This is message fiction. This is a propaganda piece. Yeah. This is one of the worst movies of the year. This is a completely pure, just no, lowest possible rating. The only thing I will say positive about this movie is... I liked the animation and I like the sort of stylized aesthetic because, you know, I like old sci-fi movies and that's what they were going with. Like I said, you want to see a movie? You want to see this movie? Go see Fantastic Journey. Have you seen that w- movie, William?
0: Yeah, and I like that movie.
1: Yeah, the, the fa- Fantastic Journey is a better version of this movie. The scientists shrink down, they're in a ship and they go and they go inside to save this person's body and they have to fight off the human body that's cool. That's a cool sci-fi premise. It's done. It's done better in fantastic journey. And that's the only thing I like about this is they're kind of aping that sort of movie. All right. That's a movie that's out. Let's talk about movies that are going to come out in trailer takedown. I post the trailers in discord the Saturday before we record. So that's so you can choose when you want to watch them. Do you want to watch them before we talk about them? Do you want to watch them after you listen to the episode and you've heard us talk about it? Or do you want to alternate? You watch a trailer, we talk about it. You watch a trailer, we talk about it. Trailer Takedown. First trailer. Hot Skull is a foreign language movie on Netflix about a guy that people call Hot Skull who has a superpower. I don't know. This trailer is confusing to me. and It's not because of the language. Like... The act, look, the acting is good. The cinematography is good. Uh, I could understand what they were saying because they were subtitles. But what the fuck the conflict is and the premise of this makes no sense. Is this just like this guy's a superhero and they're trying to do it more realistically? There's just nothing here that makes any sense for me for for me to want to give this a chance. And it's not because of the the quality of the execution of the visuals. It's because of the quality of the execution of either the trailer or the writing. Tackle.
0: Ugh, tackle. This is the worst trailer that I've seen. You've we just talked about the worst movie of the year. This may be the worst trailer of the year. What I mean by that is, it leaves me confused, and not in a intrigued confused, but in the like, I have no idea what's happening. Now we've we've seen some trailers where there's literally nothing happening. You know, naturalism on display. This is just bad trailer editing. Justin, I had to look up what this trailer was about. Are you ready? In a dystopian world, an epidemic spreads through verbal communication, and a tyrannical institution pursues a linguist immune to the disease.
1: That's more interesting than the trailer.
0: Way more interesting than the trailer. Now that movie I want to see. This trailer, though, I can't help it. This is a very, very hard tackle.
1: Tackle. Second trailer. White Noise is a Netflix movie about a family who live near a major car accident with a several, um, what are those vehicles called? They're not tractor trailers when they, uh, they're transporting Tankers. They're Take tankers. tankers. Yeah. Thank you. Tanker. My brain was saying a T truck and I couldn't think of what it was. Tankers. And they explode and the chemicals get in the air so they have to evacuate. Now here's the thing. The quirkiness, I kind of like. I kind of like the quirkiness of this, where they're all dressed kind of weird. They're a little awkward. They don't know how to deal with things. I think that there is a story in there about people who don't know how to deal with things being put in a crisis situation and having to learn how to deal with things or die. However, this movie takes the typical, cynical, negative approach to human life where you have Don Cheadle's character say to Adam Driver, Adam Driver plays the father of the family, there are two types of people in the world, killers and dyers. And the sort of premise of the movie is obvious from that point out, that this is telling a tragic event from the dyers perspective. And I I would expect this movie to end with the entire family dying. So it's just far too negative for me to want to see this. Tackle.
0: Ugh! Tackle. Well, after the worst trailer ever, at least this one uh, I could walk away and kind of understand what was going on. Um, That being said, I I think you were turned on by the quirkiness. I was kind of turned off by it. It was like knocking me out of... I don't know. There was something... The oddness wasn't... It was rubbing me the wrong way, like nails on a chalkboard. I don't know why, uh, but thankfully this didn't look as interesting to really dig into, so... I will tackle this one as
1: well. Tackle. Third trailer. The Devil Conspiracy is a Christian superhero movie. Now, I know that doesn't sound interesting. It sounds very didactic. But the way this is executed is is pretty cool. So it uses Christian mythology in a way that it should be used for storytelling, right? Making a superhero story. So this is about the devil trying to come back to the world and take it over lucifer but he has to fight off saint michael but because they're so ancient and this is the modern age they both need vehicles or hosts to inhabit in order to fight this battle again so the devil needs to take over someone and saint michael needs to take over someone and through the trailer we see these characters being taken over and you know it's going to culminate in a fight and look, it honestly, it looks like a superhero movie. They were just like, let's use a different mythology. And and you know what? This looks kind of cool to me. I'm going to say it. Hug. Hug. Oh,
0: man, this is hard because it looks it looks all right. But I don't know I, the the. The using the Christian mythology thing it I think it plays better in some of the other like I think of like how how the mythology works with like vampires or, or like something like Buffy or um, um, even like Dracula or things like that it, it works it tends to work a little better in those things like I think of like Castlevania the Netflix series that being said I don't know I'm, I'm kind of I kind of stay on the fence this, this is the definition for me of Netflix and hug
1: Netflix and hug. Final trailer. Inside stars Willem Dafoe as an art thief who breaks into, I guess, like a a house or something. I'm not. It's not clear where he breaks in. It's like a high rise in the city, and his heist fails, and then he's trapped inside and he's dying because he can't get out. Here is my basic problem with this premise. I like Willem Dafoe. I like the idea that he's trapped and he's trying to escape, and you want me to want him to escape. I am not going to want to watch someone who broke into a building to steal everything inside of it. Get out. I want them to either find him and arrest him or I want him to die. It's the same problem I had with Dexter where after a few seasons I watched. No, it was the first season. So the first season I watched it, I was like, OK, I get this. You you don't want me to cheer for the Bruce Willis, you know, smart mouth cop. You want me to cheer for the serial killer? I get it. But then at the beginning of the second season, he gets into a car accident on his own. and The car flips and it's all like, I got to get out of here before someone catches me. And I was like, but I want you to be caught. You're a serial killer. And then I was just out because I was like, I can't like keep watching this because it's like, why am I going to follow a protagonist and support a protagonist who's obviously bad? It's the same thing here. As good as the actor is as interesting as the premise could be to make it. So it's about someone who's an art thief stealing the art and then essentially getting caught and his own moral depravity is catching up on him. If you were making this about him being punished, I mean, I get it, but I wouldn't want to watch a movie of like somebody being punished for two hours. Like that's not interesting to me either. So just the way this was approached and the way they designed the protagonist it's just poorly done. Tackle.
0: Tackle.
1: Yeah, this looks like it's going to be
0: overwrought and overacted and just super pretentious. So I'm going to tackle.
1: Tackle. All right. That brings us to the episode end of the episode. What did we learn this trip, William? I learned that we may have discovered both the
0: worst movie and worst trailer of the year. Justin, what did you learn?
1: Well, I'll first say that that's not the worst movie of the year because there was a movie on Hulu about uh, a guy who kidnapped women in order to sell their flesh to rich people as a delicacy. So that took the social justice thing and turned it into a horror movie. Uh, it just used the angle of sexual assault and the patriarchy and white privilege together. And that was, uh, believe it or not, less well executed and more grating than Strange World was. So not not the, um, not the worst movie of the year. But close. Very, very close. Uh, I learned that if you do not see the way the left is treating you, and I would even say both political parties, with the way they're giving you these talking points and using social media, not as explicitly as the press secretary did, but as implicitly to turn you into an NPC, then... You're a turkey. I want to thank all of you non-turkeys for listening to the show. I appreciate it. If it wasn't for you, I would just feel like a crazy person yelling the word turkey or I can't believe they went with the turtle into the corner of my closet. But for you listening, I feel a little bit less crazy. If you want to support the show, you can go to the midside.com store and buy some merch. You go know, to midside.com slash Podcast and join our Discord and vote in the year end awards, the Peak Farce Awards, which are coming soon. Or you can support us on Patreon or locals, the midside.com slash Patreon, the midside.com slash locals. Patreon is per episode, locals is per month. That's how we keep the lights on. And if you want to grow the show, tell a female friend. This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Emmonsneski reminding you that if things get tough take a step back and witness the farce but let's let's take the heteronormative approach here <laughs> You got anything for the tag, William? No. All right, we're out.